first of all, this is, it's not just like a red flag. It is like a whole ass red wall that is in front of your face. Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome to the Imperfect Company podcast. I'm Arlena. And I'm Mariah. And we are so glad that you're here. I think that we should just jump right into it because I think it has been a week. So Mariah, tell me what's going on. What's going on in your world? Oh, man. I am incredibly busy, which I'm very thankful for. You know, I love being busy because that means that, you know, my business is doing well and whatever, but we're just getting into kind of the most popular time for weddings. So I am getting like a ton of clients for like September, October, November weddings. And in Wisconsin specifically, September and October weddings are the most common. I don't, I don't understand. I, I don't know. You have the whole summer, but September and October are like that everyone is double booked. There's so much stuff going on. So I have like a million wedding things going on. I'm going to interrupt you because obviously we have covered on this podcast that I am not from Wisconsin. So out of curiosity, like what is the average temperature off the top of your head for like an October wedding? If they were to have it outdoors, obviously there are plenty of places that people could get married indoors, but just curious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's really, it gets really beautiful, especially in October. Like my birthday is right in the middle of October. And usually it's like the perfect, like 75, beautiful, like slightly windy. Like it's just, the colors are just starting to change. October is beautiful. There is definitely a reason why it's the most popular, but like, it's also beautiful in the spring too. So that's why it's like, you can get those same temperatures, but Wisconsin is like the most, like the seasons here are so weird. And it's like, you could go from 80 degrees one day back down to 30 degrees the next day. It is wild here. So really, even if you book your wedding for like a September, September and October, it could still be 90 degrees. It just, you never know. Sometimes we get no fall at all. That sounds absolutely beautiful and like the perfect weather and especially the colors. Oh, my best friend got married last fall and the colors in her photos are absolutely amazing. And I love what you said about like the temperature and the seasons. Cause I feel like it's like that in so many places in the U S Adam and I got married at the end of May. So Memorial day weekend of 2021 is when Adam and I had our wedding. And so you would almost expect for it to be too hot. Like you're almost worried, like, okay, are people going to be able to sit outside in, you know, sports coat and survive? But it ended up being, uh, like in the mid fifties and I was like freezing. So there are pictures of me like wrapped up in a blanket between our ceremony and our reception with some hot chocolate that Adam made me because I am such a little Southern wimp who just like cannot handle the cold. Oh yeah. This Memorial day was super weird. It was like, we went up North and it was so cold and it was so, it was a really strange Memorial. Like there's sometimes when Memorial weekend is like 90 degrees and there's sometimes when it's, you know, like it was, which was like up here, it was like 40 degrees. It was very cold. Like we were lucky for it to get past like 60 in the past noon. So it's just, weather is very weird. <sighs> I won't pretend to understand it, but <laughs> but I am very busy with the wedding stuff. If you guys don't know, or if you didn't listen to our intro episode, um, my boyfriend, John, his dad owned a print shop, which is very lucky for me because I am able to just kind of hop down, literally down the road. It's like three minutes down the road to the print shop and print out all of my clients' invitations and things. 
Um, but even with that, there are issues that pop up. For some reason, every single client this year is just in a rush, complete rush. Like they don't plan, they aren't planning too far ahead. And then it ends up being such a rush to get it to them with enough time to get the invitations out to their guests. Oh man, it's very stressful. It's stressing me out pretty bad. And then, you know, I get to the print shop and, you know, it's not printing correctly and the colors aren't right. And I'm like, oh my God, is this how I die? I think this is how I die because I, I, I'm going to just crumble into a pile of dust right now. Yeah. That is such a tough spot to be in because it's like, I see it from both sides where as a vendor, you have to have communication and you have to have the time to be able to work with all of your clients and personalize things and package them up. And if you've never seen Mariah's packaging, you are missing out because it is top notch. I love getting gifts from her because she is the best at packaging pretty much anything. And it definitely shows in her business. But I also understand like with COVID brides where they just are so scared to be making the decisions and making it final because it's like, as soon as you finalize something, something changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. COVID kind of screwed everyone up quite a bit. And yeah, that's exactly what's what's happening, but I'm seeing it throughout the entire industry and things it's like I I totally understand that like, you know, brides are afraid or like couples are afraid to move forward with things. Uh but then you have all the other things like slowed shipping times. Um like every single vendor that I work with, every paper vendor, every like miscellaneous vendor I'm working with, all of them are like it's twice the processing time and it's crazy. So I have to figure out like okay, when can I tell the clients that they're going to be getting this stuff because that there keeps being delays and uh, it's just like another reason why communication is so important in a business because like I have to keep communication because I'm like, okay, I know I told you that I was going to have them like sent out by this date, but the paper vendor was delayed on me again. And now I have to wait or, you know, it's stuck somewhere and FedEx shipping or whatever. Um, And then I have to just keep telling them like, okay, so here's the new date. Here's the new date. And as painful as that is for me, it is so important and it makes them feel better. And most of them are very understanding. Some of them are, have gotten angry at me, which I'm kind of like, I get it. It's stressful. I try not to get angry back. (laughs) And that's actually what we're talking about in this week's episode. So we are talking all about unhappy customers. How do we deal with them? How do we communicate with them? And what should we do about it? And I think this is a great place for us to just get right into it. For today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about how to handle unhappy customers. I've had a few experiences lately that kind of tie into this that made it a super relevant topic for us to discuss today. Whether you are a product-based business or a client-based business, no matter what, you probably in some capacity are going to get an unhappy customer. And how you handle that is very important, not only for your mental health, but also for maintaining those client relations that you so desperately want to keep. Basically, what we're going to talk about today is that things go wrong sometimes. It's totally normal. We're all humans. We talk about it all the time that you are your business. So obviously, you are a human. So you have to be able to allow for these types of 
human mistakes. And we're just here to tell you that mistakes are okay. They really just help you learn in the long run. Mariah and I are going to discuss this topic kind of in two pieces. So in the first half of this episode, we're going to talk more related to product-based businesses. And in the second half of the episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about service-based businesses and businesses where you have clients that you work with directly. And regardless of what type of business you own or what specific type of customer you are dealing with that is unhappy, the number one piece of advice that we're going to share and that we're going to repeat over and over throughout this episode is also the hardest. And that's, you can't take it personally. And that is a really tough pill to swallow, but to handle it well and to properly maintain those client relationships, to properly maintain your business reputation, you need to remove your knee-jerk emotional reactions. And sometimes that means putting your phone down, closing your laptop, logging off, and going for a walk or going to binge some Netflix or listening to this podcast episode. Sometimes you just need to walk away from a situation so that you can go back to it with a fresh attitude because let's be honest, customers hurt our feelings sometimes. They've hurt mine, they've hurt Mariah's, and if you're a business owner, they're gonna hurt yours. And it just happens sometimes and it's normal, but you have to remember that in order to react well, you just can't take it personally. Or if you do, you can't make it obvious that you are. And so it helps to be able to separate it, which I think happens over time. Mm -hmm. I think like a great example of this is a lot of people will say that when you're getting reviews, especially you skip over all of those positive reviews and focus so intently on that negative review that you forget about all the positive things that other people are saying. And you focus on this one person out of, you know, 50 maybe that doesn't like something. And you focus on this one person that maybe doesn't like something as much. So it's really easy to focus on that person. But at the same time, you got to remember when you're dealing with them that you have 49 other customers that love your product. So this doesn't mean that you are a horrible business owner or that your product or your service sucks. Yeah. And I I experienced this a lot, like just to give an example that doesn't have to do with being a business owner. I experienced this all the time teaching college students and getting like the teaching evaluations at the end of the semester. And let's say I have 50 students in a class and 45 of them are great. You know, I read it and I almost don't even think it's about me because I'm so shocked. Hello, imposter syndrome. But then you have that one evaluation from that one student. And like, to be fair, there's probably nothing that you could have done to change that student's mind. It's something that you harp on because that's just our first reaction as humans. And a quote that I love, because y'all know how I am about quotes, is when you think about like the phrase, like, I'm not everyone's cup of tea, like really think about that. Like I am unlike most of the people in my life, like all of my good friends and my fiance, everybody drinks coffee. I don't drink coffee. I don't either. See y'all? So (laughs) the reason why I bring that quote up is because you're not going to be everybody's cup of tea because maybe you're not a cup of tea. Maybe you're a cup of coffee. Maybe you're a shot of whiskey. Maybe you're a Sonic cherry limeade slushy. like I'm drinking (laughs) as we're recording this episode. You don't have to be everyone's cup of tea and you're not going to be. And like we said at the beginning, mistakes happen. You're human. So just accept it. Now, to be completely honest, I have made a lot of mistakes when it comes to dealing with unhappy customers. I have had a few in the past three or four years of being in business. I mean, it's okay. I have learned from those mistakes in dealing with those customers. And now I am much better at it. Um, I mean, I still get really emotional. I am naturally 
an extremely emotional person. I cry at like the drop of a hat. So I am what I consider an empath. So I really pull the emotions out of other people and I am feeling exactly what they feel. So when I get like an angry message or email or whatever, it affects me so strongly. Like it's almost hard to explain. But as I've gone through and made the mistakes that I have, I really have found a way to respond to customers in a way that doesn't involve my feelings, which is so hard. Like, gonna be honest, it's so hard. But I think the biggest thing that you can do to not drag those emotions into it is just to wait. That's the biggest thing. It's like your knee-jerk reactions are going to make the experience with your customer or client a lot worse than it could be. So if you just wait, wait like 24 hours or whatever, that will help so much because then you won't be bringing so much that emotion into it. You'll have time to just relax and really look at it and be, you know, that customer service representative that you are in your business. You don't have those, can't send them to a customer service rep that's happy all the time and just answers their questions and then sends them on their way. And again, we are always happy to admit our own imperfections because that is what we are all about here at Imperfect Company Podcast. But like personally, when I find myself in these situations, I can't wait 24 hours because I have a hard time sleeping if I have something on my mind. So for you, waiting 24 hours might be a great thing. It might really help you, but don't feel bad if like you find yourself itching, like in two or three hours after you first read the email or see the review in wanting to respond. Because again, as long as you take the time to walk away for me, a lot of times that looks like just shutting off my phone, putting on a YouTube video or a podcast and like sitting on the couch with my dog, or maybe I'm packing orders, like just trying to distract myself temporarily so that I can go back to it again without that initial emotional reaction. So like when we say 24 hours, you know, take that as a loose guideline because it could be 24 hours for you or it could be an hour. Uh, you know, just remember that. Yeah. You got to listen to your body and your emotions because only you will be able to know that you are ready to reach back out to the customer because you are feeling relaxed again and you can respond with a clear head. So another thing you can do though, uh, besides just waiting, because some people can't wait or some people like, I know when you think about customer service, you want to get back to that person right away because otherwise you feel like a bad shop owner or bad business. But another thing you can do is type out your message, wait to send it, and actually read it out loud. I know it sounds weird, but if you read it out loud, you can really hear those sentences where the client may take it the wrong way, especially over something like, messenger or email or anything. It's hard to convey emotions. Well, and I'm going to interrupt because Mariah is exactly right. It's hard to convey emotion and that means it's hard to convey tone. So you might be saying, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry that happened. Like, I can't believe I let that happen. And the customer might be reading it as like, oh, I'm so sorry that happened. Like you don't know how they're reading it because remember how you read an email when you have an emotion or you have an assumption you're making. And this is why you shouldn't make assumptions, but it's also why rereading that email is so helpful. And I like to use like whether it's Word or a Google Doc or like the notes on my phone, like to go and type it out. I know this sounds so stupid saying it out loud, but I'll say it anyway, because I'm willing to bet that one of you listening does the same thing I do, which is like, I will type out an email 
whether it's good or bad. And then I will send it and I'll go to my sent folder and I'll reread it like just to see like what the other person would see, just to remind myself one more time. And so save it as a draft email potentially, like, right. Don't put a subject. So that way, if you were to send it, your email software will probably be like, this email does not have a subject. Are you sure you don't want to add one? Save it as a draft and then open it up. So it looks, it really will look like an email to you and you can read it from a customer perspective. And this is also why having like a business bestie support network is so important because it is so helpful for Mariah or I to talk to each other or to talk to our significant others or to talk to our other friends about certain situations that they might've been through before because you're only one person and you're going to learn from your own mistakes. I promise it's even better when you get to also learn from other people's mistakes. So don't discount, especially in the beginning, as you're getting used to these client and customer communications, the importance of speaking to others about what you'd like to say and asking for a advice and mentoring. Yeah. It just makes me think of when I write like normal, happy emails, I go overboard on the whole exclamation point or smiley face things. Like I, I constantly have to go through my email, even when it's not bad, just to make sure I don't go overboard. Don't feel like I'm screaming at them or like so happy, excited. Cause that's not like, I am a naturally positive person, I guess. And when it comes to my emails, sometimes I probably seem like I am like jumping off the walls, happy all the time kind of person. And like, I want to convey who I really am. So I really have to like, I'll put an exclamation point at the end of every single sentence if I could, but then I go back and I like delete the exclamation point. I do literally the exact same thing with exclamation points and the phrase, sorry. And I think this is like a frequent occurrence and something that any female, especially like female millennials, like who are in a professional workplace or who own their own business, like when you are communicating with people all the time via written communications, like, I don't know what it is about my brain, but I've seen TikToks where people feel the same way. And it's like so nice to feel like I'm not alone because, because I might start my email with, I'm so sorry for the delay and insert an explanation and maybe an exclamation point here after like the apology. And then I get to the end of my email and I'm like, okay, it's not even that delayed. And I don't owe anybody an explanation in this situation. So let me take that out and let me take this exclamation point out. So that damn exclamation point really does make a difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it's like, I feel like we talk about this all the time that as women, we are apologizing for everything. And that comes across an email a lot. And I have found myself trying not to say sorry in emails anymore. If I really need to say sorry, then I will. But most of the time I switch it. That same thing that you were just talking about, I'll switch it to thank you for your patience. Yes. I appreciate it. Exclamation point, smiley face. <laughs> yeah, that's the exact phrase that I use. Like instead of sorry for the delay, I say thank you for your patience. We know that topic could be a whole episode in and of itself, but to get us back to what we're trying to talk about, one of the other big reminders is, you know, be on your customer's side and your goal with your communications to your customers is and always should be to find middle ground. When you have an unhappy customer, it's important to give them the opportunity to explain why. You know, are they unhappy because they ordered a notebook from you and UPS delivered it to them, but they were gone for the weekend. And so the box set out in the rain and maybe the notebook accidentally got damaged, even though you wrapped it really well. Like, is that why they're upset? Because then you can send a replacement or are they upset because it didn't meet their expectations? 
expectations. And that's an opportunity, right? It's an opportunity for you to take a look at your quality. And that doesn't mean that the customer is always right because I don't subscribe to that kind of thought process. But it does mean that like when you get this feedback from your customers, it's something to keep in mind. And Mariah is going to talk to us a little bit more about specifically Etsy and the dreaded quote Karen type customers that a lot of us see like these small biz meme accounts post absolute nightmares about. So let's discuss that briefly. So both Arlena and I have Etsy accounts. I don't know about you, Arlena, but I am a part of these like Etsy seller Facebook groups that people are constantly talking about they're horrible customers. It's like horror stories. Yes. Those Facebook groups are a huge reason that I didn't start my Etsy until so long into owning my business because I read those horror stories and they felt like they were happening all the time. And I was like, oh my gosh, like on top of working full time, like I do not have time to deal with these horror stories, but I have had really such a great experience. And of course I've had a few customers that have been unhappy, but I want to say from my experience personally, I was so scared by those stories. And if you're listening to this, and that's how you're feeling, I promise you will have an unhappy customer. But if you play your cards right and you're using that feedback to do better, I'm crossing my fingers for you and feeling pretty confident in saying that that won't be your experience. Yeah, that hasn't really been my experience. I really haven't had that many bad customers on Etsy, which is great. I mean, I hope that that says something about my shop and my customer service, I guess. But really, it just depends on the type of customers that are buying from you. And you never know. And it could have nothing to do with you or your product or anything could just be like super unhappy people who just want to take out their unhappiness on you. But yeah, those Etsy groups really scare the hell out of you. Just like Arlena said, you cannot take that you have to take it with a grain of salt. Because a lot of those things and the reason why people are sharing those experiences is just to prepare you for that possibility. It doesn't mean that it's going to automatically happen to you, but as long as you're prepared for that and know what to do in that case, you'll be all set to go and hopefully you won't have many issues when it comes to it. Here's another thing to consider. Before you were a business owner, how often did you actually leave reviews for products that you loved or even just liked? Because really my experience is there are some restaurants that I love. Before I was a business owner, I didn't realize like the value that reviews really had. Like, of course, when we were traveling or wanting to find somewhere new, I was always looking at Yelp or like Facebook reviews for a restaurant just to be sure. And normally because I'm weird and I'm picky, I want to see pictures of the food that's on the menu. And a lot of times the reviews are either five star or one star. I feel like it's a lot more rare to see reviews that are in the middle. And it's because when you get a product and you like it, you might not think about leaving a review for it. So think about those Facebook groups in the same way. Somebody's not going to this Facebook group and being like, I just got my 100th five-star review. This is so exciting. They're going and saying, oh my gosh, I just got my first instance of this, or this is the second time this month. It can be scary. But what Mariah is saying about taking it with a grain of salt is exactly right. And I think personally, when I compare it to like, like restaurant reviews or whatever it is you're thinking about, it makes me feel so much better because again, I think that once I became a business owner, I started leaving a lot more reviews for the things I was purchasing because I knew the value and how hard the people behind the scenes were working for them. Yeah, I have been too. I've been really, really vigilant about leaving reviews. You know, I haven't done it for like restaurants and stuff. I think about it like every time I get something on Etsy, I always leave a review like right away as long as I can like, you know, give a good review of like how I've used it so far. But I've been trying to do a better job of that, especially with the smaller businesses. I'm, I'm already thinking of like three restaurants that I should really go review 
And I'm like, mm, I'm going to write that down. Yeah. Restaurants have been like my slowest thing. It's something I still need to get better about. Like, I think I just need to make a Yelp account and just make like an Excel spreadsheet and go through like my list of restaurants to review them because I'm the same way, like with products and on Etsy, I review them as soon as I get them, as long as I'm happy. And if for some reason I'm not happy, I shoot that business owner an email or a message directly so that we can talk about what might be wrong with the order and how they can fix the situation or what would make me feel better as a customer. Yeah. And then I end up giving them a five-star review if they fix it and whatever. I would never leave a two-star review then and say like, oh, but they sent me the wrong size. Then I had to return it, but they sent me one free of charge. Like, no, it would be a five-star review and be like, great communication from the seller. Like, right. And that's why we can't emphasize enough that the way you communicate with customers matters. As a customer, that's what I appreciate. It has nothing to do with mistakes because I'm going to get sent the wrong size or the wrong color or the package is going to get lost. Like, shit just happens. I think I've always been a pretty forgiving person, but I feel like I have only gotten more forgiving now that I am a business owner because there is crazy shit that happens that's just literally completely out of your control. And if you're a product based business, the number one complaint that you're going to see on any business's website, on any business's review, if they do e-commerce, is going to have to do with postal service delays, lost packages, destroyed packages, etc. This is a really loaded conversation and maybe we'll do an entire episode about it, but we do want to touch on this because it is so important to communicate this properly to your customers. With the coronavirus, there has been tons and tons and tons of delays. And especially since the beginning of the pandemic, we've been seeing just an increase in this kind of customer leaving reviews, being unhappy because I don't know if they're just like impatient or have no idea what's going on outside. They want their product. They want it as fast as Amazon and they are not willing to wait even though the post office needs a little extra time right now because there are just so many. Like there's tons of new businesses that started up in the last year and a half that are solely e-commerce shipping out product businesses because everyone's working from home. So now you have all these extra ones that are taking up that extra time too in the post office's schedule. Yeah. And not to mention the big stores, like the gigantic stores that aren't having people shop as much in person. So they have more packages going out. Before the holidays later this year, we're going to do an entire episode on prepping for the holidays as a business owner. But that is one of the biggest things when it comes to shipping. Like Mariah mentioned with COVID, there have been a lot of unforeseen delays. The foreseen delay that always happens is around Christmas, especially, but really any holiday that involves gifts. So setting yourself parameters where you are communicating properly with your customers that like you have to order by X date to receive it, or you need to upgrade shipping by X date to receive it and making it very clear in your product descriptions or taking the time at the end of your day and putting in an extra hour to send every person an individual message that you're watching their orders. Because if you're like me, when I ship out an order like every day or every other day, I am refreshing that page to make sure that I'm watching to see if it does get stuck anywhere. So that way I can contact the client directly. Didn't when I bought your stickers, when you came out with them, didn't they lose my first package and then you had to send another one? Yes, (laughs) that's exactly what happened. And I can talk about that a little bit because it was a holiday weekend. It was Labor Day of 2020. And Mariah is the most supportive soul and placed an order after I had a sticker launch. And I completely forgot 
that Monday was a holiday. And so I put the mail out on Monday and I just had this really weird feeling as the next few days went by because all of my packages that had gone out on that day were still in pre-transit. And again, at the time we were experiencing the same type of delays where sometimes packages were saying pre-transit and then randomly they would get like scanned at the local post office and be like ready for delivery the next day. So I wanted to give it a few days before I panicked, but again, I just like did not have a good gut feeling. So I was checking with Mariah and checking the packages tracking. And I ended up having to contact each of those orders. I think there was like six or seven orders that day. And again, it goes back to like not over explaining, but I just explained that there had been an issue with that day's orders. And for some reason, none of them have been scanned past pre-transit, but that I was that day shipping out new orders with new tracking. And I emailed them all of the updated information at no cost to them, obviously. And I still don't really know what happened. So for all I know, I put them out. I shouldn't have done that. And maybe somebody picked them up or swiped them out of the mailbox for whatever reason, who knows, or maybe the post office picked them up the next day. And for whatever reason, that batch of packages are lost. And those situations are really frustrating, but it's important to remember how freaking hard our post office workers are working. Like they are working so much overtime. They are doing their best. 99% of them are just busting their ass. So don't let the 1% sway your view. And if you do have problems, make sure to contact your local post office and communicate those issues so that they can get with those employees and and make sure that they can resolve them. All right, now that we've talked a little bit about the product side, we're gonna focus a little bit on the client or service-based side, which is where I have a few more examples that have happened to me specifically because of the clients that I work with in invitation design and branding. So just to start us off with like an example of one of the situations I had, um, I believe this was at the beginning of 2020, but I had a stationary client that I printed their wedding invitations for, and we had some printing issues. Something happened with the printer. They printed it on kind of the wrong paper and ended up like smearing when they sent it in their envelopes to their guests, like they were getting photos or whatever of it smearing, which is like my worst nightmare. But luckily she she was really, really nice, but she was unhappy about what happened. So even though it wasn't really my fault because the printer is supposed to be like the person that tells me if those kind of things are going to go wrong because I don't know everything about printing. I know some things, but I felt that I needed to fix it. And so I ended up giving her a bunch of discounts on her day of like her signage and menus and things like that. I gave her a big discount just because I felt so bad, but it was really important important to me to fix that relationship with her because I really loved working with them and I thought it was really a fun project and I loved their invitation suite. It was gorgeous. So it was important for me to fix that. I am so, so happy that we're talking about this example of yours because something that is incredibly frustrating because it's not your fault is when your vendors let you down and when you're not printing things yourself and you're using a print shop, whether that's for invites or maybe you order t-shirts to be manufactured somewhere, whatever it is that you're ordering when you're using vendors, yes, it might not be your fault. But remember that the client didn't place an order with that vendor. You did. And so your responsibility as the business owner is to fix things with your client. And then you on your own as the customer of the vendor can contact them to remedy the situation between you and them. So I really, really love this example because it's one of the kind of gray areas where you're like, oh, this isn't my fault, but 
it is because it's representing me and I need to fix it. And so, you know, it's, it's important, I think, for us to remind the listeners that even when it isn't your fault, sometimes you have to think about the fact that it really is your fault because it's your vendor and you are supplying that and going through the vendor for your customer. Oh, absolutely. I think about this all the time because when you're new in business, you're trying out new vendors. This vendor that I used for this specific invitation suite, I have never gone back. And that's the reason because I wanted someone more knowledgeable. And sometimes you make those mistakes and you have that one client that you made that mistake with. You try to remedy it as best you can and you don't make that mistake again. Or, I mean, you can make that mistake again because now you have to try out new vendors. And it's really hard to try out new vendors like that without a specific client that needs something. But when it comes to especially a service-based business, you have to find kind of the happy medium, the right thing for you and that client, because most likely with service-based businesses, you're they're spending a lot more money or for example, this invitation client I had spent a good amount of money on her invitations. Like she had a piece that was foil. She had wax seals. She had a bunch of stuff. So I had to find the right way to remedy it that wasn't causing me to lose money. So I ended up not refunding her for her invitations, even though they were kind of messed up. And luckily she was all for this because I gave her this super steep discount on all of her day of materials, which I was able to discount myself by doing myself, like actually making the products and not having to outsource. While I didn't make the amount of money that I wanted to make on them, I was remedying the situation and I wasn't losing the money that I did spend on it, especially because the printer that I used Used, wouldn't refund me anything either. So I kind of had to use that and find the right situation. And sometimes the right situation is not just to immediately refund, but to work with the customer and find out what is going to make them happy without you losing everything that you've already put into it. And I'm kind of hesitating on whether or not I should say this, but we believe in truth and authenticity here. So I'm going to say it anyway. And hopefully you guys understand where I'm coming from. But in my opinion, there is a balance in offering refunds, period. Because if you find yourself giving a lot of refunds, first of all, this is, it's not just like a red flag. It is like a whole ass red wall that is in front of your face. Like you need to really sit down and think about why you are refunding customers. Is it because there was a crazy postal delay in your area and you're just doing your best? Or is it because a customer is unhappy and you have just told yourself that instead of putting in more hours to give them something else to make them happy, that refunding them is the best option? Because I'm going to tell you right now, refunds are often a good option but they're not always the best option. And if you become a quick to refund business, I think that word spreads and somebody can be like, oh, well, yeah, I had a problem with my order and she refunded it. Like she didn't refund yours. Like you have to remember that whether you're a local business or an online business that your customers sometimes still connect, whether it's in the comments or through a Facebook group or whatever it is. And you need to make sure that a refund is justified. And obviously right now we're talking about service-based businesses. And the way that you do that is by reviewing the policies and contract that your client originally signed. So I don't know, Mariah, talk to us about like your personal experience and like what you kind of include in your 
contracts or policies that you found to be helpful when you have had to deal with unhappy clients, which again is not very often. All right. Before I start talking about policies and contracts, I'm going to give a quick disclaimer. I am not a lawyer. Neither of us are lawyers. We use lawyers if we need them. Any of what I'm about to say is not legal advice. And if you need legal advice, please contact a lawyer, especially for contracts and stuff. Lawyers know what they're talking about. If you really want to be completely secure in your contracts, go to a lawyer. They are expensive, but they're also well worth the money. They have put years into this and legal things are really complicated. And that's why there are legal professionals. And not to mention, it's a great way for your small business to support another small business. So look for a local attorney in your area to contact about any legal questions. Nothing we say in this podcast should ever be taken as legal advice. I use Dipsado for all my contracts. And my contracts are kind of always evolving based on situations that either I've been in or a friend has been in or someone I've seen has had an issue with a customer that I never thought of. I am constantly changing them. So if I happen to run into that issue, which I mean, it's probably not like it's going to happen or at least not going to happen right now, but I'm covered if it does. I use Dubsado for like a ton of things and I love it, but I'm not going to get into it because I could literally talk forever about it. But if you are interested in hearing more or hearing an entire episode about how we use Dubsado or those client management software programs in our business, jump over to our Instagram, leave us a comment on our most recent post and tell us if that's something that you would like to see. Yeah. And let us know if you have any specific questions, because then if we do an episode, we can make sure to address them because having a software like Dubsado is so amazing and so helpful. So like Mariah said, we could talk about it forever. Mm-hmm. Also not an ad. <laughs> yeah. Not a, not a sponsor yet. Yeah. Not a sponsor Yeah, yet, but we, we use it. We love it. So yes. Okay. But when it comes to the contracts, Sato is what I use to put together contracts, send them over to the client and have them sign it. But when it comes to things that could possibly help when it comes to disputes, I always have like a little piece in my cancellation section of like, if they want to cancel, if I want to cancel that, whatever work has been done so far, whatever I've purchased, the time that I've spent, I have a little thing in there that says that I'm covered, which is usually paid by a initial down payment anyways. I usually don't do any work or buy anything until I have the money already, but that also pulls in possible refunds because if I've done the work and I have spent my own money to do these things and now they're asking for a refund, I already have it in my contract that says I don't have to refund because I have spent the money, I've done the work and they owe me for that time. The other thing that I just want to like hop in real quick and say just a quick sentence is that contracts are really a beautiful thing and it doesn't just protect you as a business owner. Like if you're a business owner and you're contracting with a photographer or a vendor or a lawyer or whoever it is that you are signing a contract with, it protects you. And that is what is so important to remember. Like, don't just go through somebody's contract and like click initial and sign at the bottom. Like you really should be going through these contracts and making sure that you 
understand and that you're protected in the way that you want. Because like Mariah said in the cancellation example she gave, it protects her if her client wants to cancel, but it also protects her client if she needs to cancel for some reason. And remember that shit happens in people's lives. And if an emergency happens, obviously most clients are going to be extremely understanding. But if a client's on a time-sensitive project, including that type of clause in a contract, make sure that you're both protected. It's not just about you as a business owner. It's also about protecting your client. So an example that I literally just went through that pertains directly to my cancellation clause in my contract um, is I just recently had a branding client who was not super happy with my preliminary designs. I think they wanted something different. That's fine. I totally understand that like sometimes what I create is not going to be perfect for everyone. It's just like Arlene said at the beginning of the episode, it's not everyone's cup of tea. And I am usually very understanding and I don't take that too personally because like I do have a specific design style and not everyone is going to love it and that's okay. But with this particular client, they weren't happy at all. They said some things that I probably won't talk about because it did make me feel bad about myself and about my business. I am over it now though, because I am worthy. (laughs) But throughout the process, you know, they were unwilling to work with me. I was totally willing to keep working, see if I can find the right logo and branding for them. But, you know, they said that they don't want to move forward and that they would like a refund. I kind of met them in the middle because I knew that they weren't happy. But because of that cancellation contract, I am technically owed for the work that I have already put in. So I technically didn't have to refund anything, but I did end up refunding half of what they already paid me just because I didn't want really it's because I don't want like a bad review. (laughs) That's probably like the biggest reason if I'm being completely honest. And I not only wanted that money because I earned it from working, but also like I wanted to make sure that the client left this situation without being like angry at me because I hate it when people are angry with me. I had to kind of stand up for myself and my business and the work that I've already completed. And luckily this client was nice enough to be like, yeah, that's totally fine. Half of what I paid, if you could refund that, that would be great. And our contract ended. That's it. It's all like I've moved on. She's moved on. I've never been in that situation before, but I'm so glad that I had that contract and I was able to reference exact parts of it to send to them in order to justify not giving a full refund. This is probably a stupid phrase to use in this scenario, but I'm going to say it anyway, because again, we're all about being truthful as a human in general, and especially as like an empathetic business owner, you can feel out the vibe and I'm just going to use the phrase vibe. Like you can feel the vibe of a situation. You can feel the vibe that you have with a customer. Yeah. It is very important, whether it's a service or a product, to know when to refund and to walk away because you cannot please everyone. And again, it's so different depending on the situation, depending on the investment, depending on your contract, depending on your policies, and depending on the situation. Because when you react, you your goal should be to react with fairness, not necessarily equality. And I'm going to jump real quick to correct that because I know that might sound really crazy. Like you might be listening to this and be like, Arlena, what the hell do you mean not to treat situations equally? But what I mean by that is 
For example, in the scenario I'm about to give is extremely tragic and involves the death of a loved one. So I just want to give a quick trigger warning ahead of me giving this example. It is imaginary, but I do just want to make sure that I give a trigger warning ahead of time um, for those of you who would prefer to skip over uh, the next two to three minutes of this episode. If I'm a wedding photographer, and I'm not, but I'm just going to pretend like I am because this is the first situation that comes to my mind. If I'm a wedding photographer and I require a 50% non-refundable deposit to secure your wedding date and the most unimaginable and tragic event happens in your life, your fiance passes away and you are no longer having that wedding. According to my contract, I might not have to give you that 50% back, but based on the situation, based on the work that has or has not gone into it, and based on just me being a fucking human, I might decide to break my own contract and to give that 50% back because I cannot physically imagine what you are going through. And I know that's a really, again, just heartbreaking scenario for me to use, but these things do happen. People do find themselves in these situations, and that's why contracts and lawyers and policies exist to protect you and to protect your client. But also remember that you're both human and feel the vibe of the situation. Is somebody canceling for no reason? Have you done a lot of work and already shipped a product and spent hundreds or thousands of dollars? Then consider that in the refund process. But I think as a business owner, it's so important to remind yourself that you are a human and you should act as if you are human because you are. So don't let unhappy customers make you jaded, which can be hard. But I just don't think I can emphasize enough that having a human approach where you protect yourself, you protect your business, and you protect your clients is so important. Yeah. And really, that's the beauty of having your own business too, is that you own your business. You can choose to do whatever you want to do. And you really don't owe anyone an explanation for choosing that direction. We've gone through a lot of different things, but overall, whether you are a product-based business, service-based business, the biggest thing we can tell you is to never discount the power of feedback. Use it, love it, and grow from it. And with that being said, that's the end of our episode today. We hope you enjoyed it and we can't wait to talk to you next week. Bye y'all. Bye guys. Thank you for listening to the Imperfect Company podcast. If you like today's episode, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. You can find today's show notes and all other information about today's episode on imperfectcompanypodcast.com forward slash episode three. You can find us at Imperfect Company on Instagram and at Imperfect Company Podcast on Facebook. You can check out Arlena at Bossy Brushstrokes. You can check out me and Mariah at MJ Creative Co. Our theme song is Clocks by Brasco. We will be back with a brand new episode next Thursday. See you then. Mm-hmm.